It's the Big 12 Breakdown. Zion Jones, Thomas Bridges here with you with a look inside the Big 12 Conference. And we begin, as we always do, with our hot takes around the league. Tom, I'll let you have the floor first. Give me your uh, hot take of the week in the Big 12. Hot take of the week. You're not going to like it. You're not going to like it. And, and oh, you just dropped the worst jerseys that I've ever seen. Um, I, I didn't think they could get worse than the Rough Riders, but they have tried to, one, emulate the Iowa State Cyclones in terms of black jerseys, and they've also tried to emulate the Ohio State Buckeyes in terms of helmets and gray and black stripes and red. And uh, Here's the deal. I don't want to talk too much shit on the OU football jerseys. They've they're they're going with unity on the back. They have made these jerseys for the first African American to play for OU. That's what they've dedicated to them, and I get that. I think it could have been better done with a patch or okay, a helmet. Just get to sticker. the point. What are you trying to say here? I'm I'm saying my hot take of the week is that OU is what favored by at this point seven and a half. Is what Vegas is saying at this point is that we're recording the show. Nine gonna, yeah. Nine. OU is going to win in Norman against KU. They have too much, they have too much to lose. They're not gonna lose to KU. Uh, and and is that if you would have told me that it was a hot take at the beginning of the season, I would have laughed. But that's my hot take of the it's week. OU, nine. That's not a hot take. No, what I'm saying at the beginning of the season, like OU is going to cover this game. And I mean, at, at all points, at all all things considered, that's a sucker's bet from what we've seen thus thus far. Like, out of how many people do we know that are not OU fans that are are actually taking OU to win this week? Let alone to cover. Okay, I, I think we need to explain to you what hot takes mean. Uh, okay, if you, if you want if you want another hot take. If you want another hot take, okay. Um, I think OU walks in to Fort Worth, and I think O or I think OSU walks into Fort Worth, and I think OSU wins by seventeen. Okay, there we go. There's there's, hot, there, there's your hot take, and I think OSU shuts down TCU's bullshit. I think TCU's a great team. If the back seven for OSU plays well, there's no reason they don't run them out of the building. Uh, my hot take after seeing Texas in person last week, beating the crap out of Oklahoma. Uh, my hot take is even though I know that OSU and TCU are undefeated, I think that Texas is at least the second best team in the big 12 and that they are going to the big 12 championship game. I'm not going to use the words Texas is back. But Texas should be undefeated right now. They outplayed Alabama. Their quarterback got hurt. They outplayed Texas Tech without Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers, I think, is on track to be the number one overall pick when he comes out. He, he's got it, man. I mean, I know I wasn't rooting for Texas on Saturday, but he was fun to watch. He is going to be... All that in a bag of chips. Quinn Ewers is is going to be unbelievable. 
They got Arch Manning coming in. Credit to Sark. He's finding the quarterbacks. Texas is on the right track. I'm not saying they're back, but Texas is uh, is finally headed in the right direction of sorts. They're getting back on the track they need to be. Texas will be in the Big 12 title game, Tom. One of the one of the be Iowa State by this weekend. Um, four touchdowns. Iowa State's offense four. is awful. Four tutties games. Iowa State can't score. That's fair. That's fair. That's so, fair. There's my hot take. Um, OU sucks. Not a hot take, but true. Uh. I'll say this, and we'll talk about more with Bill coming up in just a bit. Um, I think it's way too early, Tom, to be selling Brent Venables at this point. I do have questions about some of the decision-making. I mean, Jeff Levy, the way that they ran the Wildcat as much, I mean, you still have to trust your quarterback, even if I know that Davis Bevel is horrible, that he probably shouldn't be a Power 5 quarterback to begin with. But you still got to put the ball in your quarterback's hands. You can't be running wildcat and all that crap like that and be running three lineman fronts against that hefty Texas offensive line. Um, yes, there are you pro, are you pro booty? So you're saying you're pro booty for OU? I'm saying I'm pro anybody to throw the football. Uh, <laughs> with that said, OU sucks. They're bad. They got a lot of work to do. But even with and I question some of the decisions Venables made. It is way too early to be selling BV and be trying to talk about a guy like Matt Rule coming into Norman next year or anything like that. To me, that's a big breach. Yeah, it is. You know, it's it's hard to tell. You know, and, and if you look at all the, you know, we like to think of ourselves as big 12 pros on this in terms of breaking stuff down for y'all every week. But, you know, even if you said, well, ah, well, Jones and Tom, well, you guys just show your opinions and you guys are homers and not, you know, I've heard it all. And, and, you know, a lot of times I feel like I could be Homer. Um, I, I feel like, you know, in terms of being a Homer in terms of Oklahoma state, I'm maybe more critical than a lot of people on my own favorite team, especially on a show where I can share my opinion and be put on Spotify for. Um, but I will tell you, Jones, and you know the same, a lot of these uh, big sports pundits would have told you at the beginning of the season this OU team was going to be a playoff team, uh, whether that be by default in terms of the Big 12 thinking that they were not as good. Um, but everybody was wrong about Oklahoma State. I think we could probably, Jones, I mean, you could probably go back to the first part of the season and, and if we want to do the first Big 12 breakdown, we could probably go back and listen and say, well, be probably, probably hard-pressed not to say OU's not going to be the, the back in the Big 12 after the last season. And we probably had great things to say about Brett Venables. We had the best outlook for Dylan Gabriel. We had the good outlook on Mims. And we thought freaking Ted Roof of all the some bitches would be better than than Grinch, and we you know we had a good outlook. Roof, but yeah, right. We thought, okay, well, you know, could be better, should be better. And then you want to look at the Nebraska game, 
which is now known as the Husker Curse, um, or I forget what they call it. It's the Husker something. Oh, the Husker Hex. I love it. The Husker Hex. Um, after every team that's beaten the Huskers, they've went on to go like a total of like one and 11, um, which is incredible. Um, so the Husker Hex is on and OU is feeling it. And if you would have told me that this was the outlook at the beginning of the season, if you would have told me we were at this point, I would have laughed and I would have said there had been no way. And, and Jones, now we're looking at this weekend and me and you are both rooting for KU. You for being a KU alum, me for just rooting on the downfall of the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, rock shock, baby. I'm glad that you acknowledged that I'll be rooting for the University of Kansas. If, if, um, if, I'd hope so. If you, if you weren't, then, uh, you know. I, it, it only took you how many years uh, to convince you that you know, these are my Jayhawks that I'll root for overall. Well, I mean, only because OU's bad. No, that's not true. You know, I'm only because chances over in Oklahoma. I mean, this is like this is like the Chiefs playing the Steelers. I always what have I always said? I like Oklahoma. I like Oklahoma State. I'll root for both of them when they're not playing Kansas. So yes. I will be in Norman this week. I'll be there, in my- like Jones would normally say, like in in the spirit of Jones. There you have it, folks. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it, folks. There you have it, folks. I don't even realize that I say that that often. I know uh, you don't. I got. I, I, I'm. I'm very. There's. I'm, I'm about five saying short from a full sound, a full Tyler Jones soundboard. <laughs> Let's I'm very close on. to good. I'm, I'm very close to a great soundboard. I can almost do a prank call at this point. I just need about five or six more great soundboard quotes. There's another. Can, one. I, There's another one. Let's move on and get to. There you go. Let <laughs> level. Let's move on. <laughs> we got a game. Believe it or not, tonight, Tom Baylor and West Virginia Baylor. in prime time in the Bears, Oregon Town. Um. Baylor hasn't won since 2012. In more, they haven't since. No, they haven't won in Morgantown since since before you were in high school. Are you serious? I swear to God, look it up. It blew my mind this week. I didn't know Baylor that. Baylor has not won in Morgantown. Essentially, Baylor hasn't won. Listen, this is the blow your mind stat of the week. Um, Good job on doing your homework. I did not know this. Yeah, Baylor has not won in Morgantown pretty much since. West Virginia has been in the Big 12. Okay. That's your blow your mind stat of the week. So here's what's going to happen. I'm putting my fingers, my hands over the crystal ball right now. Um, Shout out, Jose. <laughs> our, our friend of the show, friend of the Big 12 breakdown, Jose Soto, who's a big crystal ball guy. Baylor wins in Morgantown convincingly. And we finally fired Neil Brown. Woo, there's your, I you know I think I think you're kind of right, Jones. I, I think two and four home loss, and also West Virginia would then have an extra couple of days to prepare for Texas Tech, which would be good timing for a new head coach. 
like half a bye week, essentially. It makes sense. I mean, yeah, Baylor's coming off a bye week. And and here's the funny thing, too. I've seen a lot of disrespect from Baylor. You know, Oklahoma State goes into Waco, beats Baylor. I And, and you know, here's where I'm critical on Oklahoma State. They say, beats Baylor by double digits. Okay, they beat them by 11. They And that was a close game pretty much all the way through. You had a Almost. great time at that game. I had a, I had a blast. <laughs> <laughs> I, you had a blast too. You had a you had a great pregame. Um, you, you were the pregame hero. Um, and you know, this is where I'm critical on Oklahoma State. Everyone said, "Well, you know," and Oklahoma State gets a lot of disrespect. But everyone said, "Well, Oklahoma State hasn't lost a game. Oklahoma State." has won every game, and they've won every game by double digits. Okay, well, to me, when you say, oh, every, Oklahoma State's won every game by double, double digits, when I think double digits, I'm like, okay, they won by 20. No, Oklahoma State won by 11 in Waco. Granted, tough game. And, and, and you want to talk about a great win early on in the season? And for Mike Gundy to win a, a Big 12 opener in Waco after losing to them in the Big 12 championship, great game. Fantastic, fantastic for OSU. Couldn't start any better. But Baylor gets the next week off and goes off the radar and then takes disrespect right on the chin. Baylor's going to come out and, you know, if this game was in Dallas, you could call it West Virginia getting digged down in Dallas. They're about to get digged down in Morgantown, West Virginia. Um, Give me Baylor by 24. Okay. Bye-bye, Neil. Yeah, um, yeah, Neil L this week. KU taking on Oklahoma. Uh, Jason Bean's going to get the start. By the way, um, there was a reporter from the Lawrence Journal World, the paper of record there in Lawrence, that uh, falsely reported that Jalen Daniels would be out for the season. And Jalen said, that's news to me. And, and uh, they said they don't know if he's going to be out for the season or not. Um, Jason Bean going to start. Bean, remember, beat out Daniels for the job last year. He threw four touchdowns the second half against TCU. I think he's going to be just fine. I think the offense is going to be just fine. And OU, they get back Gabriel. You know, that'll help. But – I have no reason to think that Oklahoma is going to all of a sudden turn on a switch that we haven't seen in the last three weeks. I think KU goes in there and they get it done. It's close, but I, I like the Jayhawks. I think they're feeling more confident. I think they're feeling a lot better than about themselves. They got a lot more mojo in the words of Mike McCarthy. The Austin Powers mojo is, uh, is with KU right now. I, I, I'm riding that way for, for KU to get it done in Lawrence here. You know, I'm hoping you're right, Jones. And then I told you at the beginning of this, I said, well, my hot takes, OU covers, and, and OU gets the job done. I hope they don't. I still do think OU bounces back against KU, wins in Norman. I really do think me and Billy, friend of the show, Billy Locke, we made a bet. He said he would take – we would do drink bets straight up. KU wins. I owe him drinks. OU wins. He owes me drinks. I will still ride with OU here. And the only thing that disappoints me here or has me thinking otherwise, 
jerseys for OU this week, terrible. Way worse than the Rough Riders. This is a one-and-done type situation for them. I think OU dropping these new jerseys is just, I, I for one, maybe to get fans in the stands. I, I, I sure wouldn't want to pay OU prices to go see, to, you know, they're going to go see, they're going to pay OU prices to see, uh, you know, last year's KU product, but it's not going to be KU putting the product on in KU terms. It's going to be OU putting on KU product. Um, it's it's a switcheroo. It's the classic switcheroo. I could see KU winning by 14. I do, like I said, okay. I think it was job done, but right. wouldn't be shocked. Iowa State, Texas. I like Texas big. This one, I think – um gets ugly real fast um i think texas is at home there iowa state doesn't have much offense texas can score a lot of points um texas is 16 and a half point favorite i think that's been a little kind honestly i think it'll be unkind too should have matt campbell should have got out when the getting was good yeah he still might be able to go to Wisconsin or Nebraska. There you go. Uh, and then OSU TCU. You know, you have a TCU team that is a really complete team. An Oklahoma State team that is really good in their own rights. It all this game comes down to one player for me, Spencer Sanders. Does Spencer Sanders make enough plays and avoid mistakes? that they get the job done. If Spencer Sanders does his job, OSU wins. The only way that this game is a toss-up game is if we see Spencer Sanders not play well. That's, to me, what this comes down to, what Spencer Sanders shows up. I think that's one of the keys, Jones. I think it comes down to three things. I think you're dead on on Spencer Sanders. Can't turn the ball over. TCU's too quick. It comes down to that OSU back seven. You're talking about a TCU team that can score just as quick as OSU can, and you're talking about a TCU team that's very quick, very fast, and their receivers are very good and very quick. Uh, and then third key of the game, Jones, it comes down to coaching. Sonny Dykes, great start so far. Mike Gundy, legendary in his own right coaching those are your three games those are your three picks sanders osu's back seven and coaching you hit on two of those i think osu wins i'm taking i'm saying i'm going 42 38 osu all right uh coming up next phil haston of the tilts world joins us we'll uh, talk oklahoma and oklahoma state on the other side stay with us Joining us now, the Jones Sport this week. He is back. It is our friend Bill Haston from Tulsa World who joins us on the show now. And you check out all his columns, his work uh, in the world. He's also uh, on Twitter as well. And uh, Bill, always a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Uh, what's uh, what's going on in your world? Oh man. Um, well, obviously, uh, the state of Oklahoma is. Uh, upside down and and uh you know you think about it tyler i mean wh what were you doing in 1998 were you in grade school were you two uh, years old how many two years old 
you were a two-year, you were a toddler. Okay. So, and there's a lot of other people uh, at your age or around your age who have never seen OU be uh, this bad in football. They've never seen OU lose football games like this. And last time that OU, obviously the last time OU lost three in a row was 98. Um, and they never lost like this to Texas ever, not by that amount of points. Um, so it's just so crazy. Three weeks ago, they go to Lincoln. They look pretty good. Beat the Huskers. And since then, they lose to K-State. And you think, oh, man, that's that's not good. I really like K-State. Yeah. And then the next week, they go to TCU and just get rocked. Just smoked by what a team I believe now. I believe TCU is the best team in the conference. And by that much over KU last week. But I think TCU has staying power. I think I think they're going to be uh, – I think they'll be really hard for Oklahoma State to beat this week. But anyway, then last week at the Cotton Bowl, are you kidding me, 49 nothing. Uh, on the same day, it was interesting, Tyler, that Kansas functioned so beautifully with a backup quarterback. Wow. Alabama won, albeit in spite of some turnovers, with a backup quarterback. Uh, Max Duggan, until a couple of weeks ago, was a backup quarterback. He, I mean, I mean, he is a backup quarterback. You know, he wasn't even playing a couple of weeks ago, and he's out there now. So my point is, there's a lot of teams around the country that have already had to go to their second quarterback and didn't fall off the table. OU had to go to a second quarterback, and they were hapless in the Cotton Bowl. And now, you know, here you got uh, Kansas coming in with great momentum and a National Coach of the Year candidate, if not the guy, in Lance Leipold and, and uh, the most interesting team in the Big 12 well, really, I, you know, the two most interesting teams are TCU, KU, and uh, and in my mind, uh, I mean, I would challenge anybody to come up with two more deserving Coach of the Year candidates on a national level than Kansas and TCU. Nobody saw TCU coming either, but what Kansas is doing is remarkable, and uh, opportunity knocks for sure this weekend because o OU is OU, not a broken program. They're, uh, that's that's Nebraska's got a broken program, right? Oh, has a broken team, big difference. Yeah. And so this is a great opportunity for KU to go to Norman. Uh, and it, you don't have to be superhuman. Just go to Norman. And uh, although I do think Dylan Gabriel will be back at quarterback, which should make a difference, right. but OU, so many issues. And, you know, what does Kansas do really well? Uh, third down offense, really good. One of the national leaders in converting third, third downs what does OU not do well third down defense they're one of the worst teams in the country so uh, I could see KU uh, grinding out drives and and uh, attacking OU's weaknesses yeah. which, uh, they're, they're on essentially the whole defensive side of the program is a weakness right now and and uh, so yeah I mean it's it's an unbelievable story what what did I figure up Tyler up uh, Oh, yeah, okay. So OU in three Big 12 games has given up 587 yards per game. And that's nearly 100 yards worse than any other school in the Big 12. 100 yards. And they've given up 20 offensive touchdowns in three games. 
No other team's given up more than 12. I mean, these are crazy, crazy stats about a you know, OU program that before last year won six straight yeah. championships, went to the playoff four times. Obviously, uh, unbelievable uh, tradition and body of work dating to World War II. And so, yeah, there's a lot of OU fans your age or a couple of years older who've never – they've never seen this. They've never seen OU get beat like this. So, so I was – Bill, I was at the Cotton Bowl on uh, Saturday. You were. I saw that. And yeah. That was, that was yeah. my first time ever attending Red River. Um I've been wanting to go that game my entire life. You know, now that I live in Dallas, you know, I'll only live like 10 minutes away from Cotton Bowl, had to go. And, you know, I, I go and, I mean, it's like, this is not what I envisioned, you know, of, of finally going to Red River. All these great games we've seen over the years. And, I mean, you know, the offense is one thing. And we can talk about that all day long. That's a, that's a story in its own self. But the defense here, I mean, that was supposed to be, you know, BV's bread and butter. And, you know, they were supposed to get tough, get more physical. That team looks so soft. I mean, that blew my mind. And, and, you know, one of the things that, you know, I think OU fans were frustrated with over the last few years is seeing so many three-man fronts. And there they were. OU was back to – it was like the Alex Grinch defenses, the Mike Stoops defenses, but worse. I mean, like, I I thought this was supposed to get better. I thought they were supposed to be – physical tough you know and and you know that the fundamentals and all that were going to change i didn't see any of that i mean it's it's one thing you talk about the quarterback situation all day sure but i mean the defense what what the, what the hell's going on well you watched uh the tcu game yeah you tcu okay it looked to me at times like there were uh like oh you was through three men short on that side of the ball. Yeah. It looked like 11 against eight. And, guys, uh, unbelievable how the consistency with which OU's, uh, particularly the the linebackers, but uh, how often they're out of the picture or out of position. And uh, I guess it was Joey Galloway that made a – who made a, a comment the other day and you know it makes a lot of sense, but he said he said if you if you get blocked for longer than two seconds, if you can't get off of a block within two seconds, that means you're okay with getting blocked. Yeah. And, and, and if you're just willing to just be tied up and and not fight out of it, you're okay with. It. Well, I it see it feels like I've seen some of that too up front, and yeah. uh, they're just not winning battles and they're and they're out of position and it's just it's. You know, a few injuries, but everybody's injured. It's midseason. Everybody's got injury right. injuries. But, uh, yeah, it's unbelievable. It's truly unbelievable. You know, and, and on top of all the problems uh, Venables has with being a rookie or a first-year coach here and, and uh, following uh, uh, Lincoln Riley, who was really successful, will never get be given the credit he should get because of the way he left. Uh, won't be remembered finally because of the way he left. And the timing of his departure, which was the day after Bedlam, which still blows my mind to think about that. Uh, but uh, it's just, I wonder how much of this he saw coming 
or if he's as shocked as the rest of us. You know what I mean? I mean, did he come out of did he come out of camp thinking, I think we're okay. I think we're I think if if circumstances uh, don't uh, get weird on us, I think we have a chance to win ten games and win the league, like yeah. they always seem to do. And uh, or if he saw red flags either back in the spring and in August camp and. Maybe isn't as shocked as the rest of us. I don't know. But I know that once they had to go to a backup quarterback, uh, they went from being uh, a problem, a, a troubled offense to being a hapless offense. And I was stunned by what I saw uh, in Dallas the other day. Couldn't believe it. I've been to 19 OU Texas games in, in – uh, and I've seen it on the other side of that. I've seen OU dominate at that level in that game, uh, but not not ever Texas. When when Texas has been at its very best and its, its most dominant, it has won that game more like thirteen to seven, like the seventy seven game, thirteen to seven because they had such an amazing defense, amazing, and Earl Campbell, yeah, on, and they hit two sixty yard field goals and win the game. That's Texas's version of dominance typically and OU's has been just to pour up 600 yards and 63 points and on a fairly they've done that a number of times against Texas uh but for for OU to get shut out in the cotton bowl uh to get uh and, and the truth is that the score could have been 70 to nothing if Sarkeesian had been in a really bad mood or had been a monster or a you know what? Uh, he he could have scored seventy. Uh, that's unbelievable. So I mean, now you uh, on the list of priorities, and there's so many. But I mean, they got a recruiting class right now, Tyler, that's ranked sixth in the country. You got to get that. You got to keep that held together for oh my goodness, uh, two more months and uh, get those guys signed and in there. There's a uh, five-star quarterback from Denton in you know in the Dallas area. And a five-star edge rusher from KC, uh, they got to keep that class together, and then they have got to more effectively uh, fish out of the portal pool during the offseason because they did they didn't do a very good job on that. Uh, which isn't that crazy? Just three years ago or so, I, I mean, nobody would even know what we were talking about. You know, the offseason portal process and now. It's such an essential, important part of of uh, football and basketball. I know that it's early, and you know we're what six games into this point. But I mean, it, it's a fair. Not only throw you, their season's done with regard to what they usually aspire right. to play for. Their season's done. But go well, ahead. Well, what I'm about to ask is still an early question to ask. Um, is is BV, is it fair to ask at this point if he's the right guy or not yet? Oh, no, 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 no. No, because they got gashed. I mean, think about it. I mean, after Lincoln left, uh, they had a lot of guys bail out of that program, a lot of guys. So, no, 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 no. Lord, no. And, I mean, really the only coach they've hired – and since I've been at the Tulsa World, who you kind of felt, no, I would say two, 95 and 96, they hired Schnellenberger for the 95 season. And that never felt like a fit. 
And that felt like it would be short-lived and it was one season. And then John Blake came in the next year and that never felt like the right guy either. And, uh, but I don't, I don't feel that way about Brent Venables. I don't think anybody does at this point. Um, I mean, his body of work is too impressive. His history, uh, Tyler, they're just not very good. Their roster isn't very good. It's just that so they've lost so many guys. Uh, not to mention, uh, there's two players who throwing the football and catching the football at Southern Cal right now who were at OU last year. And Southern Cal, here they are undefeated. And, uh, you know, Lincoln's having a great first season up there or out there. So, no, no, it's – it's understandable for fans to ask that question because they've uh, not seen OU lose like this since John Blake. Right. Totally understandable. And I'm not saying it's, it's even, uh, I wouldn't even say it's unreasonable. It's just that the, the, because the expectations of the OU people are so different than most schools. So when the standard crumbles or somebody falls far, far short of the standard, the Oklahoma standard, then it's okay to ask those questions, but I don't think he's a mistake. I don't think Castiglione certainly views him views Brent as a mistake. And I, I listen to a lot of uh, talk radio and and get on Twitter enough to see. I, I I mean, there's a few exceptions to this, but most people are realizing that this is just a lost season with uh, bad circumstances that got worse when Dylan Gabriel got hit in the head. And so this season's a wash. I mean, it, I mean, could they could they rally and win? You know, win three times in the second half. Isn't that crazy to even ask that question? Can they win three more times in the last six games? I don't right. know. Uh, I I will say this: as they're currently playing, they will have to. Uh, uh, they'll have to win a game, at least one game they sh- that they shouldn't win. They'll have to like upset somebody. Uh, who that might be, I don't know. But but I I can't remember. Um, good lord, when's the last time? Uh, when's the last time you go into a Kansas OU game really, really with the belief that Kansas can really win the game? I guess it would be oh uh, nine. I guess. Yeah. So thirteen years. No Sam Bradford that year for OU and Kansas had a pretty good team. Um, so yeah, it's been a long time since KU had this kind of opportunity, uh, and it doesn't matter if OU's up or down or whatever, if you got a chance to win in Norman, that would be a big, 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 uh, that'd be a big victory for the, for that whole program to get that done. Do you think, uh, whether they would have hired Brent Venables or anybody else, the circumstances that Oklahoma is dealing with. It, it sounds like it was unescapable no matter who the head coach would have been this year. Is that what you, that what do you think? Well, you never know. Like if you hire a different if you hire a different coach, does he kind of like Lincoln went to Los Angeles with a quarterback situation ready to go. Right. I mean, it took Caleb Williams a while to say, yeah, I'm leaving, but everybody kind of knew he was leaving OU to go to, to Southern Cal. If you, if you hire a different coach, uh, does he show up here with a quarterback he's been recruiting or coaching already? And is OU better situated at that position than it is today? I don't know. If you just look at the coach, 
uh, without any other uh, attachments. Hmm. I, I mean, sure. I mean, you see first-year coaches uh, do miraculous things, but um, I would ch- I, I would like to know who that who that head coach would be who could get uh, victories out of this defense. Yeah. You saw you saw it up close, and it's it's. Last it, thing on, on it's jarring. It's so bad. It's it's really. Uh, oh yeah. It's something. Last yeah. thing I know you, and then I want to move on to talk Oklahoma State here. Uh, when it comes to this Oklahoma team, and you know, looking you know towards next year already uh, with next season, we've seen that year two's been kind of the money spot for coaches, right? I mean, Nick Saban at Alabama, Kirby Smart at Georgia, even, you know, within the conference here, you're talking about Lance Leipold at Kansas and his situation. Um, is next year the year for Brent Venables that we're really going to find out that, you know, about this Oklahoma program, where they're, where they're going? Well, yeah, yes, but it's not necessarily be- just because it's year two. It's because it's it's the year before they move to the SEC, and you don't want to take a wobbly, uh, jacked-up, broken uh, situation into the SEC. You don't. So, And, and because <clears throat> um, OU was, after Barry Switzer and before Bob, um, by OU standards, was pretty average or below average for a decade. And there's enough people around Norman, including Joe Castiglione himself, who remember what that was like and remember that it was just like it sneaked up on everybody. It's like average season, average season, bad season, bad season, average season. These start stacking them up and you're like, holy crap, we've been in a slump now for five or six years. So nobody's want nobody's wanting to wait five or six years to get to address that problem or to get something fixed. You can't the stakes are too high going into the SEC. Uh, they were too high to ever let OU football to get to that point anyway uh, right. in the 90s. But but now, holy cow, you do not want to stagger into the SEC. That ain't the way to go in. You want to go in with uh, the best you can be. And so next year, oh, my Lord, yeah. 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 For, for 100 reasons, but in my mind, um, more than anything, so that you don't take a step back or so that you don't have program momentum going into the SEC. Yeah. Let's uh, transition to talk Oklahoma State now. Uh, Pokes are undefeated uh, at this point and uh, kind of a, a sleeper team in the uh, playoff picture here. How good do you think this uh, Oklahoma State team is? Uh, you know, it's a really interesting team that the front end of Gundy's time as the head coach they had a really hard time finishing on the road and some of his, you know, so many games, those first three years as head coach, they would have a team on the ropes and let them off and, and couldn't finish on the road. It's just, uh, and I guess I think back to that because I was on the beat for so long. And, and so it's so impressive to me that they have become such a good road team. And two weeks ago at Waco really clutch the, the absolute essence of a team win because you got difference-making, game-winning plays, special teams, uh, like really, really good special teams that day. Uh, Sanders was really good, and then the defense was sensational. So uh, last week against Tech, had some adversity. You trail by four at half, uh, grind out a pretty good win. 
uh, sweet, because Texas Tech is an interesting, tough team. Uh, now you go to TCU. Uh, or you, I say, yeah. Oklahoma State goes to TCU. And I'll just tell you right now, I mean, I expect TCU to win the game. Uh, what we're about to find out about TCU is whether they're a really hot team or whether they're a really good team. And I'm starting to really lean more toward the good team. I think TCU is a really, really good team. Uh, and I knew that what Sonny Dykes did at SMU was borderline miraculous. But we're seeing now, um, you know, he's the real deal uh, and would be at any level. And then, you know, obviously, maybe not everybody knows, but I think most people by now are aware that Lincoln's brother is the offensive play caller for uh, TCU. So that adds an interesting. Yeah, uh, former Kansas uh, wide receiver coach. Yeah, adds a little layer of intrigue. So uh, it's, I hear, I keep hearing that, uh Spencer Sanders might be a little bit banged up uh with regard to his shoulder uh we'll see I mean but then I heard also today that he had practiced and looked pretty good today so uh you know like after they won last week Tyler over Texas Tech the first thing Gundy said was we have got to run the football more effectively and that to me will be uh uh, what I will be looking at most intently early in that game is whether OSU's offensive line is getting any push and whether their tailbacks are getting any yards because it's a dangerous way to do business to have your quarterback uh, be your – not only your leading rusher in, returns, in terms of yardage, but to get – oh, my goodness. I think he's he's right at 60 carries for this season. That's a dangerous way of doing business. So can OSU get more of a ground game generated without exposing Spencer Sanders, you know, to that much violence out on the edge of the field? They've got to figure that out. But, I mean, and um, can OSU win the game really, honestly, bottom line, can OSU beat that, that TCU team that I think is a pretty complete team? Can OSU – is their front seven defensively good enough to win that game because that's how they'll have to win it uh, because their secondary is not ready to win that kind of game, but their front seven is pretty good. And they, they had a hell of a pass rush and uh, we'll see how that goes with Duggan because they'll have to keep him contained. Bill, it, it feels like to me with, with Oklahoma state, you know, what we've seen over the last few years with Spencer Sanders is that you're always going to get that game or two where Spencer's just off and he's not playing well. Last year happened to be a Big 12 championship game when he had four turnovers. What I wonder is, whether it happens this week against TCU or at some point in the year, will Oklahoma State have enough to rally around and and play well enough to win if Spencer Sanders does have that letdown game? Well, I mean, the, the tailback, the running back last year, uh, who was so good for them. You know, he's in the NFL now. Jalen Warren, yeah. Or Jalen Warren, sorry. Yeah. Jalen Warren, yeah, yeah. And he was so clutch and such a reliable and tough running back for them. Um, i tell you what, if this OSU team had uh, any of uh, about five or six of Gundy's previous tailback combinations from 06, 08, 2011 – 
Uh, man, I, this would be a heck of a, an offense for Oklahoma State. But um, at the same time, they got a lot of playmakers catching the football. They don't have seem to have very many running it. And so let's your hypothetical is winner if Tyler, uh, Tyler winner if Spencer has a a, a, a four turnover kind of a football game. Or can they figure out a way to win that? In spite of no, they don't because they don't have the run game, and uh, it's too much to ask. It would depend on the opponent too. But but presuming it's it's a. How about this though? Have, have you ever seen the Big Twelve where like literally everybody can beat everybody? Literally, the last place team can beat anybody in the league. So there's really not a. I mean, who's a, the worst team in the league? Probably West Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of uh, it, it's they not that hard. Points. They got a good quarterback. Sure. Oh, yeah. And they got a great, especially when it's a night game, they got a great home field advantage. Uh, probably has lost a little bit of its heat uh, from when they were, you know, when they have a really good team and they have a night game at home. Uh, that's a real, uh, that's a, actually for me, I, I enjoy going up there, but that's a real advantage for the Mountaineers to play at home at night when they're really good. Um, yeah. They don't get very many night games anymore. It's crazy. It's a spectacle. Um, but no, I don't think, I don't think OSU this season is good enough defensively or certainly with its run game to overcome a catastrophically bad, uh, turnover day for, by Spencer Sanders, I don't. Last question. We'll end on this. Uh, I know you've been following real closely right there in your backyard in Tulsa with uh, that Bixby program. Uh, yeah. You'll make it some historic milestones. I mean, they're, somehow the, that the giant that is Bixby footballs just keep getting better. You know, and the funny thing, too, is is this is Bixby's first year in class 6A1, which in Oklahoma is the largest class. and But Bixby is – like a fraction of the size of the bigger schools in the state. And you attended the biggest school, right? In the One of the biggest high schools in the country, I'm sure. With the, how many kids graduated in your class? Uh, 1110. <laughs> right. Uh, I think it's gotten a little bigger since then, too. It has. It, no, it really has. But, but, uh, um, Bixby, well, just, for the sake of, uh, before I talk about the size of the school, Bixby's won 55 in a row. It's a state record, most by any 11-man football program in Oklahoma history, 55 in a row. They have not lost since the opener in 18, 2018, and that was to Jinx. Uh, so now uh, I remember writing it, and I remember so much talk about, you know, um, I asked an, uh, an opposing coach, in 6A1, what do you think of Bixby coming into the to this classification this year? And the guy said, welcome to the SEC, is what he said. And so at the midway, slightly beyond the midway mark of the high school season, Bixby has outscored opponents by 350-something points, nearly 60 a game. And I'm telling you, it's, it's, uh, it's the most impressively coached and dominant football situation I've seen in Oklahoma since Alan Trimble's Jinx dynasty in 97. Uh, and that team in 14 games gave up 81 rushing yards in 14 games. And to me, it's still the gold standard. Uh, 
uh, of all Oklahoma high school teams was 97 Jinx. But you know what? 22 Bixby Spartans are tracking in that kind of way. And they play your uh, alma mater uh, Friday. Bixby versus oh, uh, BA. BA at Bixby Friday. So, lovely. <laughs> it, it, it's the most uh, beautifully coached. And uh, I can't say they're not having fun. It's not a joyless situation. It's not a, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. but, there's, but there's no nonsense, if that makes sense. They're having a great time. And I marvel at Lauren Montgomery, Co- Coach Lauren Montgomery's ability to sustain a high level of motivation out of the st- starters who know they're not going to play more than a half. They never get to play more than a half. Never. Never. They won't play – his starters won't play a full game until maybe Jinx in the regular season finale on ESPN, uh, and maybe not even at all. Last year they didn't – his starters never played in the second half, hardly ever, including the championship game. It's just a – it's a remarkable story uh, of a, a – mo- oh, and I was going to say, too, in, in that classification, uh, like Bishby's the second smallest school. There were 400 kids, 450 maybe, in this year's graduating class, 450. But this last year's seventh grade class, they tell me, had like 750. So Bixby's growing like a weed. That area, you know, of course you know the area, uh, South Tulsa. But um, so if, if there's a 300-kid difference from this year's grads to – Five years from now, grads, that school is just – in fact, they just broke ground on a new uh, high school just a few weeks ago. So, Bixby is uh, – from a football standpoint, Bixby's already a super heavyweight, and before too much longer, there'll be a super heavyweight with regard to a new school, a new stadium, and all this new stuff. So It's uh, unreal. Bill, yeah, I know yeah. you got to go. Uh, we will talk again down the line. Uh, thanks for joining us as always, my friend. Uh and uh, all the best to you. Thanks for uh, the time. Crazy season. And I listen, I just, I'm so impressed by uh, Jayhawk football this year. And, you know, I mean, how about, I mean, I, I said at the time, K State hired a great, great coach. And Kleiman is, uh, you know, last year wasn't what you want or what wasn't what they want. But uh, I mean, state of Kansas, uh, has got it going in football, and I, I think it's fantastic. I mean, all right, I'll end it with this. If, if you had asked in a computer in, like, the summer just, and just said, all right, spit out the most insane improbability you can even think of a computer in college football.